We're going to share more about that as the year progresses. Today I wanted to uh, just draw a few thoughts around this theme of belonging, which is our theme for 2017. If you haven't got one of these cards in your Bible or on your fridge or uh, in your uh, place where you do your quiet time, then I'd encourage you to grab one from out the front or uh, by the office here because they're specifically designed to remind us and bring us back to the place of belonging and connection as family. I want to draw some thoughts around that today, but I also want to pick up on something that Josh left us with last week as he ministered in in the morning. And I'm going to repeat a few things that he said and show you a few things that will be familiar to those that were here last week. Because the concept of family of faith will have more impact as we all vibrate at the same rhythm. And so today I want to talk about our rhythm defines us. And I suppose I could let you in on a secret, eh? Is it, you okay with that? I'll just talk to these guys. So the secret is, don't tell them. But this is our theme for next year. This is going to be the theme for 2018 as a church family. If you come and see me in my office, there's a whiteboard full of like 30 different messages that are going to be part of our journey next year as a church, which builds on belonging. Because when we understand we belong, and you can listen to all those podcasts to get it in here, but when we understand we belong, we need to understand why. Who we are leads us into why we are. And that's what next year is all about. So I just want to talk a little bit about that this morning. I want to talk about how our rhythm defines us. And rhythm essentially comes out of a place where um, we can understand that we are family. We're in a kingdom family for a reason. And so I want to talk about our values. Again, if you haven't got this card in your Bible or on your fridge, then grab it. It should be out the back or out the front, but this is our value statement. We're a family who gather together around God's presence, live together in His love, and share in His truth. Those four key words are our four values. Family plays a big part in who we are, what we do, and how we do it. We passionately pursue the presence of God. We invite it as often as we can. And in fact, sometimes we get on a plane and go, find it somewhere else. Because when you're in proximity of those that carry something you want, you have it imparted to you. And so presence is really important for us. Love, love without conditions is defined as kingdom culture. And so how we shape the decisions we make, how we disciple people and lead people, how we empower and release people is all done through kingdom love. May the love of God the Father be yours as you go about your day. I love you with the love of God in every way that I can. Love is a primary value. And finally, his truth, we value the word of God. Everything we do, we hope, is based on the word of God. And so I encourage you to find one of these cards and and get it familiar. This one here, I haven't got a slide for. This is Kingdom Culture. I'm going to teach on this in the first quarter of next year, but these are available to you if you want one. And it defines what it looks like to live in the kingdom of God here and now and how we operate as a family. I won't get into it, but 
Um, but find it and, and then look out for that next year. This represents our mission. Why do we exist? And again, there's a little something I prepared earlier. We gave these out in Vision Weekend last December. We'll be talking about again Vision Weekend this coming year. But this is the mission of our church. We believe God's called us as a family to activate community transformation. It's not enough to be a happy club inside the building. We've got to influence society outside of the building. Transformation, bringing the kingdom that's within us to those that don't yet know Jesus Christ. It's why we do missions. It's why we do outreach. It's why we have community services. Everything we do is about enabling people, you and you and you, to be the gospel message of Jesus Christ, where you live, where you work, where you play, where you hang out. We believe to, we, we do that through three key streams. You can see them there, church, social, and enterprise. And um, there's a backside to the card that says we want to make Jesus known. We want to engage in the community to generate hope, to elevate people beyond their circumstances in a way where they recognize there's something for them to aspire to. And we want to release purpose. I've been speaking with people this week about my personal mission and the way that I like to operate or the gift and grace on my life is to build platforms and stages to elevate others to launch them into their kingdom destiny. It's just what I do. I didn't learn that at school. I didn't practice it. It just started happening and where the grace is, I follow. But we release purpose as we release people. So again, our values, the culture of who we are, and the mission of us as a church starts to resonate. And, our, and what that vibration is, if you haven't heard Josh's message from last week, go and grab it on the new app, um, because you'll hear him talk about the resonance and the vibrations that can bring change when we're all in harmony. And that's really what I want to talk about today. Josh showed you quite a few videos, and I'm mowing my lawns, listening in one ear, thinking, oh, that sounds like that's a good video. So I'm going to show you what I think was one of his videos. It's not. It's very similar. Um, because it, he, gave, he gave an example of a um, metronome, or a group of metronomes. And this is a longer video that I've um, sped up for the purposes of today, uh, halfway through or partway through. But you'll see this experiment. Where, does everyone know what a metronome is? It's... It's about keeping time in music. Or not keeping time if you're not in line with it. And so what they did is they started 64 metronomes all different times. You can see they're starting them one by one and they're all clicking, clacking, clicking, clacking all in different rhythms. And Josh was saying, if you listen to his message last week, is that the vibrate... I see now I'll fast forward a little bit because it's a long video. Um, the vibrations that are released bring about an influence to those things that are around them in order that they would come into alignment. This is not the only example he gave. Listen to his message. It was fantastic. But what you'll notice, that as time progresses, this is a fast-forward um, time of the video, of real time, as time progresses, they start to get in similar timing. Look at that. Listen. Sounding a lot more similar. And now we just speed it up a bit because we're running out of time. So it's fast, 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 fast. But what you'll notice is at the end of three minutes, 64 metronomes that were all started independently of each other. Watch, 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 watch. And go slow. Look at them.
the resonance, the vibration, the, 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 the rhythm that's released affects everything around it, and they all come into alignment. This is a beautiful picture of a church family. I don't know if you got that last week. That's what I got. It's a picture of a church family that as we do life together, as we hang out together, as we look for a dominant rhythm, we all come into the same beat so that we can have impact. And what I'd like to suggest to you is that our rhythm is what defines us. And when we're all beating to the same beat, we have far more ability to influence what is around us. And that's what I believe Josh began to impart to us. It's the journey that we've been on. What I loved is his language was our language. His heartbeat was our heartbeat. And what he said, I could have said. And what that says is there's an alignment in what the Spirit of God is doing in the church family. So how do we find our rhythm? Well, what I want you to do is, is to look at the Bible because that's the best place. As a church, we absolutely believe in, listen to this phrase, singular headship, plural leadership. So as we're about to see, God calls someone to lead a community, but he doesn't call that person to do it alone. We'll look at that in a sec. But Ephesians chapter 4, the first six verses, is how we find our rhythm. Let me read it to you. Paul writes to the church, our church. Therefore, because of the awesomeness of God, he's connecting the last thought that he had. I, Paul, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father who is over all and in all and living through all. Where do we find our rhythm? We find it in him as we seek the unity that he's establishing in the community of faith. But please don't misunderstand when I release vision and, and, and talk about what we're going to do that, that I've just sat in my office, had four espressos and decided this is a good idea. You know, we search for the heart of God, that he would lead us as a people in order that we might step into his promises. And it comes through the spirit of unity. And the spirit of unity is what binds us in the spirit. One Lord, one spirit, one faith, one body. That's who we are. And so when you see the picture of the metronome and it comes into rhythm, that's us finding our rhythm. That's the people, the family of God that he's called us to be together. If you're a visitor here, we welcome you. I'm speaking family language, but that's not exclusive. If you're here for one week, four weeks, or, 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 or for, for, forever, I pray that you'd find that spirit that draws you into a collective family of faith. So we've got to find our rhythm. We've got to find our rhythm because our rhythm is what defines us. Let's look at some people in rhythm. Let's look at the people of Israel as they exit Egypt. So just to recap the story, the people of God are in captivity in Egypt for how many years? 
400 and some? 430 years, and they're in captivity, and God says, oh, I heard you crying. Now I'm going to deliver you. And he raises up a man called Moses, the leader of the people. And they, after a few challenges, seven plagues and all sorts of opposition from Pharaoh, they leave Egypt and take the plunder with them. And they miraculously head through the sea. Like, that's pretty awesome. We could do with that in the Waikato about now. It's like Lake Waikato out there. And, and in this verse here, I just love it because they're, they're looking to God. They've just had this miracle of the Red Sea. They've had the Passover. And then in these two verses, we see them in rhythm. Exodus 13. No. You know when it's on the page in a certain place? Am I totally lost? No, I'm not. I'm in the right place. The Lord went ahead of them. He guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud, and he provided light at night with a pillar of fire. This allowed them to travel by day or night. And the Lord did not remove the pillar of cloud or the pillar of fire from its place in front of the people. What's important with rhythm is the presence of God. In the Old Testament, the presence of God was, was symbolized as tangible to the people through a cloud. And in the future of the, the temple of the Holy of Holies, there was the cloud hovering, the Shekinah glory of God above the Ark of the Covenant. So we see the fire and the pillar as the presence of God helping people stay in step with God. So when I say we relentlessly pursue the presence of God as one of our values, this is why. Because if we stay close to Him, and we allow Him to lead us, and we know that He's got our back rear guard, then we stay in rhythm with God. The people of God, walking with God, our rhythm defines us. What I love about this family of God, the Israelites on their journey, is they give us some positive examples and some not-so-positive examples. Because we can see, just over the page, how they become a people not in rhythm. So just over in Exodus 16, this story here is about the manna and the quail. I'm not going to read it all to you, but there's a couple of verses at the beginning of this passage, Exodus 16, 17 through 31. You can read it later. The people of Israel did what they were told. They gathered a lot of manna, or some only a little, but when they measured it out, everyone had enough. Those who gathered a lot had nothing left over. Those who gathered only a little had enough. God's a God of sufficiency. Each family had just what it needed. Moses told them, don't keep any of it till morning. But some of them didn't listen and kept some of it till morning, and by then it was full of maggots and had a terrible smell. Check the person next to you, just to see if they smell like maggots. Go on. We found one over here. When we stay in step with God, we carry his aroma. When we don't stay in step with God, we carry a different aroma. And not in rhythm, not following the, the disciplines that God's given us or the, the mandate he's given us has a big effect on our world. Look at the second example, Exodus 32. This story here is all about when Moses is up on the mountain 
and he's in the glory cloud. He's having a great time with God, although, to be fair, he didn't eat for 40 days. And he's experiencing the wonderful presence of God. And then God says, Oi, hey, verse 7, this is my translation, Oi, hey, quick. God says to Moses, Go down the mountain. Your people whom you brought out from the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. How quickly they've turned away from the way I commanded them to live. They've melted down gold and made a calf, and they've bowed down and sacrificed to it. They are saying, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. So they'd taken the plunder of Egypt, the gold and the abundance that God had blessed them with, and they'd turned that blessing into an idol, and they were worshipping it, saying, this cow is what saved us. And God's like, ay, 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 ay. Moses goes down there because God is going to kill them all. Out of rhythm. Being out of rhythm is actually dangerous for you. They were in rhythm with each other. Yeah. A New Zealand, yeah. What, what he's saying is, if you can't hear, is New Zealand might be in rhythm together, but if they're out of rhythm with God, then there's a problem. And, and the church, collective, is at risk of stepping out of rhythm with God. Some would say it is, as Stuart's saying. But when you look at politics, when you look at education, Isaac's up against this at the moment, and religion in schools is something that's a, not a very popular subject at the moment. But our, our nation is quite at risk of being out of rhythm with God. And, and it's, a, it's a very, very good point. So, so may we always make sure we're in rhythm with God. And, and I take that responsibility seriously. And if you don't think I'm in rhythm with God, then that's why we have eldership. Because it's a vital point. Vital point. And in this example... The people were all together but doing the wrong thing. And God says, well, I'm just going to kill them all. And I don't want to get into hell and damnation today, but let me just say this one thing quickly. Being out of sync with God is not good for you. Let's leave it at that. When God is the one whom we take our leadership from, we find what I would, what I'm calling, this is my phrase that I got from Josh, we find a dominant rhythm. And may it be the rhythm that's led by God. But resistance to the dominant rhythm reveals a stubborn heart. And we see that in the people who were misled and deceived and started worshipping a golden calf. And it was dangerous for them because and except for the intercession of Moses, they would have been killed. The Bible warns us time and time and time again about something, well, I've called it a stubborn heart. The Bible uses stronger language. The Bible says, be careful that you do not have a hardness of heart and close yourself off from the things of God. And that would be a warning to us because in the journey we're on, there are some who are still having their hearts softened by God. Let me give you an example. Um, in the summer, 
one of the things we love to do as a family and with friends is to gather around a fire at night. And when we lived in the country, you could make that fire as big as you like. But now I live in town, I have to be a bit careful about that. So we've got this nice little contained fire bowl thing that we sit on chairs around. You know what I'm talking about, right? And, and, and when you're by the fire, enjoying the company, around the fire, it's warm. But as night gets colder, if you moved away from the fire, you suddenly realise how cold it is here when it was warm over there. What causes hardness of heart? Walking away from the fire. There's only one thing that matters in my list of things to do. Staying close to the fire. One of my teachers, my mentors, who I take my advice from in many areas, says there are two outcomes that he measures as a pastor on a Sunday morning. One, the presence of God turns up. And two, we do what he says. He says, as a church leader, that's all I measure. Volume, no. Attendance, no. Well, you know, we've got graphs we have to do and send them off. But, but apart from the presence of God and obedience to the presence of God, what else matters? And I urge you to get close to the fire. Can you get close to the fire at home? Yeah, sure, you can. But this is the better place to get close to the fire. And those people that drift or have a, have a lackluster attitude towards the family of God are those that move away from the fire and wonder why their heart is hard. They wonder why they can't understand why Jesus turns up and heals a dozen people on a Sunday night because they're not here. Missing it. It's not a telling off, it's an invitation. The risk is you have a hardness of heart when you move away from the fire. Josh used another video example that I want to share with you. And I'll show it to you twice, I'll just show it to you this first time. Have you heard of this, the um, example of an opera singer who would sing a long, prolonged note and then a glass shatters or a mirror cracks? You heard of that? You saw a video of that last week, I'm not sure if you did or not. But I found this one, watch this, and I'll talk about it. So what's happening, apparently, because I'm no rocket scientist, What's happening is that the vibrations of that noise that's being made, in this case by a gentleman on the screen, is he's looking for the resonant vibration that would match the vibration in the glass. And this, all the straw does is start moving when they become aligned. So wrong note, straw stays still. Get the pitch right, starts vibrating, and then it starts clanging around, you know you're close. And then when the vibration of the, the sound wave matches the resonant vibration that's in the glass molecules, the glass wants to come in alignment with the noise and it tries to move, but how many know glass is fixed? So it cracks. I'll talk about that in a minute. I'll let that sit with you for a while. The invitation we have as a family of God is to embrace rhythm. 
In the new church, in the book of Acts, we read about the community of faith that gathered together under the leadership of those who had been with Jesus, those that had uh, a commitment that he was the Messiah, the promised son of God, the redeemer of Israel, and they were giving their lives to him. And we see them coming together as a community of believers. I just want to point you to a couple of places in Acts chapter 4. We see they have, this, um, they have a few encounters, and the, and, the, and the religion, the church religion, you could call it, were against them. And so they pray for courage, and then in verse 29, the people say this, Now, Lord, hear those threats, and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand, God, with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they preached the word of God with boldness. May we be a people who embrace the rhythm. May we be a people who come together for prayer meetings or worship nights or Sunday morning gatherings or Wednesday night gatherings in someone's home. And may we have the place shake with the presence of God, that we would be filled with boldness and courage to do what he's called us to do. May we embrace the rhythm. Someone at least say amen to that. Well, this is a good idea. Oh, it's, it's in the book. The guideline for living is God and partnership in the kingdom. Embracing his rhythm. What else did they do? Keep reading. Believers united in heart and mind, and they felt what they owned wasn't there, so they shared it. They testified, the apostles testified to the powerful resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's blessing on them. There was no needy among them because those who owned land sold it, sold it and, and brought the money. And Joseph decided he would sell something and bring the money to the apostles in order that they would give it to those in need. The people in community embraced the rhythm of the kingdom of God and surrender themselves to the work of God. That's what it looks like to embrace the rhythm. But as always in the book, in the story, we find people who embrace the rhythm and we find people who resist the rhythm. And if you continue reading the very next verse, you'll read a story you may have read before about Ananias and Sapphira, a husband and wife who were part of the church, who sold a piece of land and brought some of the money to the church and gave it in order that it would meet the needs of the people, the needy, the hungry, the orphans, the widows, and those who needed the healing power of Jesus Christ. And they said, this is all the money we receive from the sale of our property. And they kept some for themselves. Resisting the rhythm. Not a happy ending. Ananias, why would you lie to the Spirit of God and withhold that which you said you had given? Now the Lord shall take your life and young men come and carry out his body. Doesn't always go well for you when you resist the rhythm. His wife, Sapphira, comes in three hours later and She's testifying to the goodness of God, how they've given all of the proceeds to the work of God. And the apostles say, the footsteps of the men who carried away your husband are now here. And they bury her beside her husband.
Resistance to the rhythm reveals a hardness of heart. And God can't work with a hard heart. And so what we see in the video is the glass trying to change form and breaking. And what I want you to see is this. Right, this is what you saw before. I'm going to play it, and then I'm going to slow it down for you. So crack, crack, crack. What's happening is the, the, just before the glass breaks, watch this. Look at it vibrate. Did you see it? Watch it again. Here. See that? It's trying to change, change form to come in a line, and it can't because it's constrained by mindsets or beliefs or strongholds that are blocking it from resonating with the kingdom of God, and therefore there's nothing else for it to do but to shatter. And you might go, oh, that's a bit tough. Are you saying we've got to die? Oh, actually, (laughs) I am. I am, watch this. I read a book this week. Here's a quote for you. It's not sufficient for us to have faith in the cross of Jesus Christ. We must embrace the crucifixion for ourselves. Life, eternal, comes from death. And the, and the message of God for us today, if I could get the band to come and join me on stage, it's all about surrender. Because let me say to you, from a personal standpoint, from an application for me as a person trying to follow God and do what he's asked me to do, I've already said yes, now I'm asking, where are we going? Because I've died by choice to my will. The plan for my life, as you know, those of you who have heard me speak, was not to be here. And it took death to bring life. It's not for sufficient for us just to embrace the cross of Jesus Christ in faith and believe in it. There's plenty of people that believe Jesus is the Son of God that died on the cross. Church is full of them. But we must embrace the crucifixion and make it our own. As I close, I'll show you this picture. It's a Japanese art form. Uh, Who's going to help me pronounce that? Kintsukuroi. That's my best. That'll do. And it's an art form where they take pottery that's shattered and broken and they bring it back together and fix it by binding it with either gold or silver. And they believe that the piece of art is more beautiful for having been broken. Your life will reflect Jesus when you've been to the cross. Am I purposely asking you to die or be broken? Next question. What I'm asking us to do is to commit to a journey where we understand that it's our rhythm that defines us. And, and the truth is, church, the truth is, God's doing a work in us. Like the message last weekend in the morning was fantastic. Listen to it. The messages before that were awesome also as God led us to a place where we understand that we're empowered in freedom freedom through Jesus Christ, and when we grasp the fullness of our salvation, we fully understand that we're alive and whole because of the work of Jesus in our lives. But the dominant rhythm comes from Him. The dominant rhythm 
is the beat he sets for us. And I, 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 I try and hear it, I do. And when I hear it, I hope I get to share it with you. And when I share it with you, I hope you embrace it. And not resistant to it, but choose to surrender to what Jesus is doing. Can I ask you to stand? We're going to sing this song again, Jesus at the center of it all. And we're making a time or a moment for God to come and minister to you through His Spirit. You see, it's His work in us that brings us to the foot of the cross. It's His work in us that redeems what is broken or dead and restores it and makes it new. It's His work already done that we apprehend by faith and possess for ourselves. And as the team lead us in a song, you know, I would encourage you, get on the cross. Richard, do you have something to share? Thanks. There's a scripture um, in the message translation, and it talks about rhythm, the unforced rhythms of grace. This is, this is not a rhythm that's forced on us. It's one that we volunteer. And beyond the cross, we walk on, and we walk on with Jesus. And, and the context of this um, scripture is the one about, come to me, all you, you who are heavy laden, take my yoke upon you. So it goes, Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30. Are you tired, worn out, burned on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. As we prayed before the service, um, Nikita prayed about uh, people feeling lighter and letting go. And we can do that and we can embrace that yoke and walk in step with our Lord. We stay close to him. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. 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 So as the team sing, if God's prompting you, if he's stirring your heart, if he's nudging something or he's showing you something he wants you to let go of, bring it up the front. We call this the altar because it's the altar on which you put yourself by choice. And we'll, we'll give you time to do that. Enjoy the presence of God. Surrender your life to him afresh. Put on the altar what he's asking you to. And you'll find life everlasting in him.